ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so we've been doing this series regarding the iman in the day of judgment we spoke about death we spoke about the soul separating from the body we spoke about the barzakh and what happens to a person in the grave about the punishments of the grave and the blessings of the grave and we spoke about the day of judgment and the signs of the day of judgment and the last lesson we discussed to a degree regarding the dajjal and we mentioned a few points regarding the dajjal so who can remind us of what we mentioned regarding the dajjal so far How long will the Dajjal be upon this earth? 40 days. 40 days. But in the Sunnah it tells us that actually it works out longer than that. Because the first day from those 40 days it is actually like a year. A year. And the second day from those 40 days is actually like a month. month, And the third day is actually like A a week. And the rest of the days, they are as they are. So then how many days or how long does that actually work out as? We mentioned it last time, simply works out as one year two months and two weeks approximately. That is the time of the Dajjal upon this earth. And so the companions, they asked the Prophet ﷺ regarding prayer, how would they pray when a day is like a year? Would they have to keep repeating their prayers five times, five times again and again throughout that year? Or would they just pray five in that whole year? So the Prophet ﷺ told them they would have to estimate the times and pray on a daily estimation basis. So that was some of the details about the Dajjal. There are obviously a lot more The Dajjal is one of the greatest signs and trials from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All of the prophets and messengers, they warned against the Dajjal. And he will be given certain miracles that Allah allows him to do. And that becomes a test upon the people. So he commands the sky to rain and it rains and the vegetation grows. But he commands the sky to withhold 
and so it withholds. And there is no rain and there is uh, no crops that grow and the animals and cattle die. These are affairs that will occur as a test upon the people. So that is one of the major signs. We did want to mention the hadith regarding the island, but we'll come back to that. From the other signs then, the order that we spoke about, the first of them is the Dajjal. Then after that we said the second sign of the major signs of the Day of Judgment is Isa alayhi salam returning. Isa alayhi salam returning is the second of the signs. And the third of the signs was Ya'juj and Ma'juj. Gog and Magog. Then after that we mentioned it is unknown what order the signs occur in thereafter. Up until the final one that is known is You mentioned these before? The final sign. Final major sign. The fire. The fire that will gather the people to the land of resurrection. So then, if we come to the topic of resurrection itself. Resurrection itself. The meaning of resurrection is إِحْيَاءُ lilmauta وَإِخْرَاجُهُمْ مِنْ قُبُورِهِمْ لِلْجَزَاءِ وَالْحِسَاءِ It is that Allah will bring back to life the dead and raise them, extract them out of their graves for accountability, accountability and recompense. And it is mentioned, this issue of resurrection, in different wordings. So for example, in some chapters it mentions وَإِلَيْهِ النُّشُورِ النُّشُورِ And النُّشُورِ Then that is in reference to the resurrection. Similarly, when you hear the narrations like وَأَصْلِحْ لِآخِرَةِ الَّتِي إِلَيْهَ مَعَادِي And correct for me my afterlife wherein my return will be. Then this is in reference to the resurrection that will occur. What is the evidence though? Like we say, everything we talk about, we must have evidence upon it. So what are the evidences mentioned in the Qur'an and the Sunnah clearly affirming the resurrection? From them, You have the ayah in the Qur'an where it mentions زَعَمَ الَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا أَلَّيْ يُبْعَثُوا قُلْ بَلَى وَرَبِّي لَتُبْعَثُنَّ ثُمَّ لَتُنَبَّأُنَّ بِمَا عَمِلْتُمْ وَذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرٌ In this ayah 
it mentions that the ones who disbelieve, those who disbelieve, they claim that they will not be resurrected. They claim that they will not be resurrected. There is no resurrection. Say rather, by my Lord, indeed you will be resurrected. And then you will be informed of what you did, your actions and your deeds. وَذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرٌ And that is something easy upon Allah to do. Easy upon Allah to resurrect you, to bring you back to life, to extract your bodies from the graves, to give you life once again. It mentions in the Qur'an, وَذَلِكَ عَلَى اللَّهِ يَسِيرٌ That is something easy upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Similarly, ذَلِكَ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ هُوَ الْحَقِّ وَأَنَّهُ يُحْيِي الْمَوْتَى That is because Allah is the truth. And indeed He will resurrect the deceased. Clearly in the Qur'an, indeed He will resurrect the deceased. Similarly, وَأَقْسَمُوا بِاللَّهِ جَهْدَ أَيْمَانِهِمْ لَا يَبْعَثُ اللَّهُ مَنْ يَمُوتُ بَلَا وَعْدًا عَلَيْهِ حَقَّا وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَعْلَمُونَ That they take an oath that Allah will not resurrect those who die. But rather that is a promise, that is truth, that He will resurrect them, but many of the people do not know. Similarly, ثُمَّ إِنَّكُمْ بَعْدَ ذَلِكَ لَمَيِّتُونَ ثُمَّ إِنَّكُمْ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ تُبْعَثُونَ That indeed after that you will die, and then indeed on the day of judgment, you will be resurrected. تُبْعَثُونَ You will be resurrected. So these are multiple ayat in the Qur'an. Multiple ayat in the Qur'an, all highlighting that the people will be resurrected. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will resurrect the deceased from their graves. There are a hadith also, a hadith which indicate the resurrection. For example, in the hadith about the man who died in hajj, There is a hadith about a man who died in Hajj. He got trampled by a camel and he died in Hajj. So he was in Ihram. He was in Ihram. He was muhrim doing the rites of Hajj when he died. So the Prophet ﷺ said, اغسلوه بماء وصدر وكفنوه في ثوبين 
ولا تحنطوه ولا تخمروا رأسه فإنه يبعث يوم القيامة ملبيا Wash him with water and cedar and shroud him in two cloths but do not put any fragrance upon him and do not cover his head for indeed he will be resurrected on the day of judgment making the talbiyah labbayk allahumma labbayk labbayk la sharika laka labbayk he will be resurrected making the talbiyah in that ihram that he died in so do not put the fragrance on him and do not cover his head because when you are in ihram you do not cover your heads the men and you do not wear fragrances so again the hadith is a clear evidence upon the resurrection that will occur there are other evidences too these are all clear evidences of the quran ayat and a clear evidence in the sunnah the hadith is in bukhari what we quoted but then on top of that there are other understandable evidences other evidences that you could logically understand that of course there's going to be a resurrection one of those is that if we understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created us all from nothing. Allah created us all from nothing. None of this existed, none of the world existed, none of this universe existed. Allah created us all from nothingness. The Lord, the Creator, who can do that, can create all of us and all of this from nothingness to begin with, then obviously He is able to bring us back to life when we already now exist. We already exist. Our body is deceased now, but we already exist. To bring something back to life that already exists for, for the one. For the one who created everything from nothingness to begin with, then of course and obviously that is possible. If Allah created all of this from nothingness to begin with, then surely Allah can bring it back to life again too. So that is a, a clear logical evidence that the resurrection would occur. A second very logical and easy evidence to understand also, that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is capable of creating that which is far, far, far greater than us as humans. You take for example the sky above us. The size and the magnificence of that sky compared to you or I six foot tall. Compared to that sky in its mass, compared to the universe, in its mass, and then you look at yourself at five, six foot tall, compared to that massive creation, then what are we but a speck? So if Allah can create all of that, then bringing back to life this speck is nothing. That is nothing for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to do that. 
So that is another logical, clear understanding that the scholars they mention. In the Quran it says, لَخَلْقُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ أَكْبَرُ مِنْ خَلْقِ النَّاسِ The creation of the heavens and the earth, it is far greater than the creation of man. So if Allah, the one who created all of that magnificent and huge creation, then surely He is capable of bringing back to life these humans that are nothing compared to that mass and size and magnificence. Thirdly, again from the evidences, that can be understood, is that there are actually examples mentioned in the Qur'an where Allah brought the dead back to life. There are already stories in the Qur'an where Allah did that and brought the dead back to life. So this type of evidence, الاستدلال بوقوع إحياء الموتى في الدنيا على إمكان ذلك في الآخرة The fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already done that in this world, there are examples where this already occurred, then that indicates to you that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can certainly do that on the day of judgment to everybody else. Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, he mentioned, فَإِنَّهُ سُبْحَانَهُ دَلَّ عَلَىٰ إِمْكَانِ إِحْيَاءِ الْمَوْتَىٰ وَقُدْرَتِي عَلَىٰ ذَلِكَ بطريق بطريق الوجود والعيان بطريق الوجود والعيان وبطريق الاعتبار والبرهان والأول أعظم الطريقين فلا شيء أدل على إمكان شيء من وجوده فذكر في كتابه ما أحياه من الموتى في غير موضع شيخ الإسلام says there are two methods that Allah سبحانه وتعالى has uh, utilized or mentioned in terms of highlighting the resurrection. One is through actual examples of it occurring, and one is through looking at the evidences and pondering over them. Actual examples of it occurring is obviously much easier for a person to understand, much clearer that it's already happened, so obviously it can happen again. It's possible, definitely. So there are examples like that where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought back to life those who were deceased. One of those examples <coughs> in Surah Al-Baqarah وَإِذْ قُلْتُمْ يَا مُوسَىٰ لَن نُؤْمِنَ لَكَ حَتَّى نَرَى اللَّهَ جَهْرًا فَأَخَذَتْكُمُ الصَّاعِقَةِ وَأَنْتُمْ تَنْظُرُونَ ثُمَّ بَعَثْنَاكُمْ مِنْ بَعْدِ مَوْتِكُمْ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ ثُمَّ بَعَثْنَاكُمْ Then we resurrected you مِنْ بَعْدِ مَوْتِكُمْ After your death لَعَلَّكُمْ تَشْكُرُونَ So that you may be grateful, that you may be thankful, And that was regarding the story of Bani Israel with Musa alayhi salam that they were struck down and they died and then Allah brought them back to life again.
So that is an example of where it already occurred. Similarly, another example, the example of when Musa alayhi salam was told to strike with the calf and then it would bring back to life that individual. فَقُلْنَا اضْرِبُوهُ بِبَعْضِهَا كَذَلِكَ يُحْيِي اللَّهُ الْمَوْتَى وَيُرِيكُمْ آيَاتِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ And then, like that, Allah says, we bring back to life the dead. And we show you the, the ayat and the signs so that you may understand. That is in Baqarah 73. Baqarah 73. Regarding also Ibrahim alayhi salam in Baqarah again, Surah Al-Baqarah 260 this time. When Ibrahim alayhi salam says, Rabbi arini kayfa tuhyi al-mawta. Oh Allah, show me. My Lord, show me. How do you bring the dead back to life? Qala awalam tu'min. Qala bala walakin liyatuma inna qalbi. It was said to him, do you not have the iman? He said, of course, but in order to increase my iman, in order to gain even more iman, to see how you bring the dead back to life. قَالَ فَخُذْ أَرْبَعَةً مِّنَ الطَّيْرِ فَصُرْهُنَّ إِلَيْكَ ثُمَّ جَعَلْ عَلَى كُلِّ جَبَلٍ مِّنْهُنَّ جُزْءًا ثُمَّ جَعُهُنَّ يَأْتِينَكَ سَعِيًا So then he was told about the birds and placing them onto the different mountains and then Allah bringing them back to life again and uh, reconstructing them. So this was an example with Ibrahim alayhi salam again, where the dead were brought back to life. So these are stories in the Qur'an. There are other stories of Isa alayhi salam. Isa alayhi salam bringing the dead back to life. Uh, there is the story of the cave. So there are various examples being mentioned in the Qur'an of this occurring. Of the deceased, being brought back to life again. So those real examples that have already taken place are a clear sign, a clear indication upon the resurrection and that the people, they will certainly be resurrected. There are of course though some of the people of innovation who reject the resurrection those who apt, or, or not just people of innovation, but disbelievers. There are of course those from amongst the people, the first category, who absolutely reject any resurrection occurring. They are of course the mushrikun, the kuffar, who absolutely reject any type of resurrection occurring from the mushrikun and from the types of the kuffar. Then there are those who reject any bodily, physical resurrection occurring, but they affirm that the souls and the spirits will come back again and there'll be an afterlife for them. But there is no actual resurrection of the bodies of the people, a a physical, actual resurrection. It is only the souls and the spirits of the people that have this resurrection in the afterlife and then the things happen. 
But that is incorrect as well. That is incorrect too. It is an actual physical resurrection where Allah will extract the bodies from their graves. It mentions in Azalzala, Ida Zulzilatil Ardu Zilzalaha. And then And then the earth will release its burden. What is that burden and weight that the earth will release on that day? The bodies of the people taken out and extracted and removed from itself. So those who claim it is only a spiritual type of resurrection, not actual bodies, etc., that is incorrect also. And the scholars have said any anyone who claims that type of resurrection, then it is kufr. There are some of the philosophers who claimed to be upon Islam, some of those mutakallimun, some of those philosophers who have this type of belief. And the scholars have said that is a belief of kufr. Kufar, the ones who believe it is only a spiritual resurrection, not actual resurrection. The third category, again some of the philosophers who go to the other extreme, they say there is no spiritual resurrection, it's just the bodies. The bodies will be resurrected, there is no soul or spiritual resurrection. So again they are uh, away from the truth. The fourth category of people when it comes to this topic are the people who speak about uh, reincarnation. That the resurrection, it is really along the lines of reincarnation. That we are resurrected in another time and body. We are resurrected in the form of reincarnation. And of course that is complete falsehood and it is kufr also to believe that. So, Islamically, very easily and clearly we've seen here, it is our belief, it is from our iman, that certainly we will be resurrected on the day of judgment, resurrected before our Lord. And then as it mentions, مَا مِنْكُمْ مِنْ أَحَدٍ إِلَّا سَيُكَلِّمُهُ رَبُّهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ there is not a single one from amongst you except that Allah will speak to him on the day of judgment and there will not be between you and Allah an interpreter. So everybody will be resurrected on that day. How and when does that resurrection begin? The signs of the day of judgment occur. But then what occurs for that resurrection to begin? The blowing of the trumpet. So there will be the blowing of the trumpet on that day. And that will be heard, and that will be the sign for the day of judgment to commence, for the resurrection to commence. The blowing of the trumpet, it is mentioned by the scholars that the one who blows into the trumpet is the angel Israfil. 
And that is near enough a consensus of the scholars that it is the angel Israfil who will blow into the trumpet on that day, even though there is no explicit evidence with his name in it. It is a conclusion from the various evidences the scholars have come to, though, that it is Israfil who will blow into the trumpet on that day. The question then that arises here is, how many times will the trumpet be blown on that day? Because it is not just once. Twice. Three times. Both of those opinions exist amongst the scholars, that it will either be twice, or it may be three times, twice, or thrice. And there are evidences for both. So as for those who say that it will be blown three times, for example, Ibn al-Arabi al-Maliki, Ibn al-Arabi al-Maliki, and Shaykh al-Islam Ibn Taymiyyah, and Ibn Kathir, and others, they all say that it will be blown three times. Their evidence, they say, there is an ayah in the Qur'an that says, وَيَوْمَ يُنْفَخُ فِي الصُّورِ فَفَزِعَ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا مَنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ That on that day when the trumpet is blown and then the terror and the fright will go into those in the heavens and in the earth except for whom Allah wills. Terror and fright will go into those whom hear the blowing of the trumpet on that day. Then there's another ayah that says, وَنُفِخَ فِي الصُّورِ فَصَعِقَ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ إِلَّا مَنْ شَاءَ اللَّهِ That the trumpet is blown and they fall unconscious, die. Those who are in the heavens and the earth. So the first ayah said when the trumpet is blown, the fear and the terror occurs. The second ayah says when the trumpet is blown, they fall unconscious, death occurs. Then there's another ayah, ثُمَّ نُفِخَ فِيهِ أُخْرَى فَإِذَا هُمْ قِيَامٌ يَنْظُرُونَ Then it is blown again, and they will be standing looking. So that seems to indicate three events. One event when it's blown and the fear and the terror occurs. One event when it's blown... And the death and unconsciousness occurs. And then one event when it's blown and they are all resurrected. Three possible events being indicated in those different ayat. So that would seem to indicate there are three blowings of the trumpet. But then there are other scholars who say actually it is only twice that it will be blown into the trumpet. And you have the examples of Al-Imam Al-Qurtubi, Ibn Hajar, Al-Shawkani, big scholars again, who say it is only twice. And their 
reasoning is that the terror and the fright and then falling unconscious and dying, all of those two events occur within the first blowing of the trumpet. Then the second blowing of the trumpet is the actual resurrection. How do they come to that conclusion? They say one of the evidences, the ayah says, ثُمَّ نُفِخَ فِيهِ أُخْرَى فَإِذَا هُمْ قِيَامٌ يَنْظُرُونَ That it will be blown into it once again, and then they will be, uh, uh, they will be standing looking. In Arabic, when you say the phrase Ukhra, then that linguistically indicates it is the second of two. Two events. You have an event, and then you have the Ukhra, or the Akhar. You have something, and then you have the other thing. That in Arabic indicates two things. So they say that ayah must mean on the second blowing of the trumpet, the resurrection actually occurs. Which means the first blowing of the trumpet, you must have the terror and the fright occurring and the people falling unconscious and dying. The only other issue that remains here is what is the time gap between those blowings of the trumpet then? Even if you say it's twice, what is the time gap between the two blowings of the trumpet? Hmm? 44 zero? No, 40 days or 40 uh, years. So either 40 days or 40 years you're saying? Yes. Anybody else? They are either an hour or 50,000 years, depending on whether or not you're a believer. Mm-hmm. How long is the time gap between the blowings of the horn? There is a hadith where this is spoken about. Hadith of Abu Huraira in Al-Bukhari and Muslim where Abu Huraira says, Abu Huraira was narrating, saying that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَا بَيْنَ النَّفْخَتَيْنِ أَرْبَعُونَ What is between the two blowings is 40. 4-0. 40. What is between the two blowings is 40. So then they said to Abu Huraira, قَالُوا يَا أَبَا Huraira, أَرْبَعُونَ يَوْمًا they said, oh Abu Huraira, 40 days? Qala abayt. He said, I refused to acknowledge that. <coughs> they said to him, okay, 40 shahran, 40 months? Qala abayt. He said, I refused to acknowledge that. Qalu 40 sana? They said, 40 years then? Qala abayt. He said, I refused to acknowledge that. So he narrated to them, the hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that there are 40 something between the two blowings of the horn. They said to Abu Huraira, 40 what? 40 years? 40 days? 40 months? Every time they kept giving an option, he refused to affirm 
or confirm any of their answers. But why? Why would he not tell them and confirm to them which one it is? Because he didn't know himself. He did not know that. He did not know what it was. He did not know whether it was 40 years or 40 months or 40 days. All he knew from the Prophet ﷺ was that it was mentioned between the two blowings is 40. And that is all. So we cannot specify more than that. There are narrations that specify 40 years. There are narrations specifying 40 weeks. But all of those narrations are actually weak. They are weak narrations, the ones that specify it's 40 years or weeks or etc. All we can say is that there's a 40, but the quantification we are not aware of. So that is briefly regarding the blowing of the horn on that day. The next topic is the topic of the actual resurrection now, the people being raised up, how they will be raised up, what they will look like when they are raised up. Is there a difference between the Muslims when they are raised up and the Kuffar when they are raised up? The topic of the actual resurrection, how it happens, and what the people will be like, what they will look like how they will be and how they will be treated, the various topics regarding the actual resurrection is our next subject. But that, inshallah, will be at the next class. Up to there so far then. Any questions regarding those subjects so far? Who will be alive? The one who blows the trumpet? Yes. That is the angel Israfil. Yes. Uh-huh. Will he be alive or dead? What do you mean? When he blows the trumpet? Yes. So the angels, will the angels all die at that moment as well? So at that time, when everything comes to an end, the day of judgment, everything comes to an end. And then the resurrection happens and then everything is brought back, etc. Initially, when everything comes to an end, angels are included in that or not? Yes. Yes? Everyone will die. Everyone? Pre-resurrection. Everyone, including the angels. The scholars, like Ibn Kathir in his tafsir, he mentions the default... The default is to say that yes, even the angels will come to an end initially. And then everything is resurrected and brought back to life. Because we don't have any evidence to say that they are exempt. We don't have any evidence indicating exemption. So initially, yes, everything including the angels. 
there are certain things that never or don't come to an end because Allah wills they do not come to an end. What certain things are those? Heaven or not heaven, paradise and hell. They don't get destroyed. They remain. Even when that day of judgment etc. occurs, everything is destroyed. Paradise, hell, they remain. What else? The throne of Allah remains. The kursi. Kursi, I believe, yes, they mention it. Hmm. The world of jinn. Mm-hmm. There will be... The pen as well. The pen, some of them mention. Some of them mention the pen. There are seven that Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah ta'ala mentioned. So your homework for this week is going to be find the seven, we mentioned four or five there already now anyway. Find the full list of seven items that Ibn al-Qayyim mentioned would remain when everything else comes to an end. But the angels, the majority of the scholars, they say, yes, it would appear they would die as well. Then the resurrection occurs again. Hmm? Then the resurrection occurs. Uh, from what I recall, top of my head, it was in the tafsir, it could have been al-bidayah wa nihaya I don't recall. But he mentioned it, Ibn Kathir, somewhere, that the scholars basically have a consensus almost consensus almost, majority of them, that the angels similarly will come to an end at that moment and then everything brought back again. Not necessarily. Between two blowings. The first and the second are two blowings. There's a distance in between. The second and the third are two blowings. And there's a distance in between. It can still be argued. The jinn, they have the same regulations as us in terms of the religion. They have to practice the Quran and the Sunnah like we do. They have to go do hajj when we go do hajj. They fast. They do all the same regulations as us. They're going to be resurrected. They're going to have the accountability. They have all those regulations like us. Anything else? So we run off there for tonight. Can I ask a question? Go on. It's a little bit unrelated to. Go on. It's about one of the major signs of judgment day. So about the job. Mm. Um, he will be given a task uh, to uh, deceive mankind. Um, so does he? Does it, I mean he's aware of what he's doing mm. in accordance to a hadith? So mm. is that his out of his free will or? The general topic, firstly, of free will. We know as Ahlul Sunnah, Allah has given us free will and choice. We've been given that. We know that and we believe that as Ahlul Sunnah, as the methodology of the Quran and the Sunnah, Allah has given us choice. Some of the people of innovation say we don't have choice because they can't understand how could the decree have been written 50,000 years before the creation of the heavens and the earth. It's all written, it's all there. Then what choice have we got? The fact that I'm here tonight and we're sat here tonight, was it already in the decree or not? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. So then, did we have any choice to be here tonight? Yes. Yes, we still did. Because before you came here tonight, you had the choice. You could have sat at home on the sofa relaxing, or you could have come out and attended. You made the choice to come and attend. At the time of doing an action, you have the ability to choose what you're going to do. Allah already knows which choice you're going to make, and that's why the decree is already written. Everything is already written because Allah already knows what choice you're going to make. So it's already written. But at the moment of making the choice, you have your free will of making it. So that is the case. If that was not the case, then it would mean people are compelled to do things. And if they are compelled to do things, that means they are not deserving of hellfire if they do wrong. And they're not deserving of paradise if they do right, if they're compelled to do things. So we have the free choice. And the evidences are many. وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا أَنْ يَشَاءَ اللَّهُ رَبُّ الْعَالَمِينَ You do not wish for something except that Allah wills it first. So Allah affirms we have a choice. But Allah knows what choices we're going to make. The Dajjal, he has been decreed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bring this trial upon the people. And as you mentioned, the evidences seem to indicate he is aware of what he's doing. He's aware of what he's doing. He's aware, he's, he speaks to the people, he commands, he forbids, he's aware in that sense. He knows what's going on and what he's doing. Beyond that, to say, is he compelled, is he not? Is that no choice? That's how he was created and what to do? Yes, Allah created the Dajjal for that purpose. The Dajjal is aware of what he's doing. But to go beyond that, Allahu A'lam, I'm not aware that the evidences indicate anything beyond that. Beyond the fact that Allah has created him with this task, he's been created to do that, and that's what he goes and does. He's aware, he's clearly able, has intelligence, he speaks, he commands, he prohibits. But over and above that, Allah alam if we can say anything over and above that. Alright, leave it on that for tonight then. Um, two weeks time, what's that? Fifth of July? So that's okay then. When is London? No, no, that's okay. Yeah. Two weeks time. Two weeks time, inshallah, the next class. This class <coughs> is fortnightly, as you know. So the next one, inshallah, for this topic, for this class, will be in a fortnight, two Fridays from now. Obviously, the other classes, they carry on. There's a class tomorrow evening, uh, 7.30 as well, I think. And there's a class next Friday, inshallah, for the other lecture. The topic currently is... Now, about commandments and prohibitions, about the Sharia. That will be on next Friday. So classes are going on all the time, just the rota. For this class, it's in two weeks' time, inshallah, now the next one. So, we'll run off on that for tonight.